Well, did you keep that promise to God too? Keep that promise to God, yeah. <laughs> you did? You didn't masturbate until you were like married? Welcome to the Let's Be Candid podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Layla. And on this podcast, we're bringing real stories and experiences of non-monogamy. We wanted to highlight the fun side of unlearning monogamy and how liberating it can be. Or awkward or ridiculous, (laughs) but it's always an adventure. All of our stories are real. Our guests are real, but their names might not be. Regardless, there's lots to learn and laugh about here. We do talk about adult experiences for adult ears. So pro tip here, if you think it might be inappropriate for someone else, we do ask that you are mindful of how you choose to listen to us. And with that being said, let's hop in. Welcome back to Let's Be Candid. We're talking about something really juicy. This episode idea came after uh, I went to Mystery Temple and that was more of like a religious, spirituality, sacrilegious. <laughs> and I swear, it really healed my inner child with the religious trauma that I went through. And Brian, I know you've had your share of religious trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a sinner, a rebel. It's actually pretty <laughs> funny. Layla, you know, my wife didn't actually know we were producing episodes of the podcast at all. And then we were driving to the mall one day and she's like, yeah, when are you going to start producing them? And we're like eight episodes in on Spotify at this point. <laughs> And I was like, well, let me put on the the episode with Waz and T. And so the first thing she actually heard was you talk about the Mystery Temple Ah. thing. And so that's as much of the podcast as she's ever heard. Like that experience, she was like, man, that is super interesting. I never thought about the religious side, like reclaiming. Because you you were saying when you went to Mystery Temple, it was really like, it wasn't a disrespect of religion or like, fuck those beliefs. It was like, I I just want to own that and have fun with it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, I grew up on the Bible Belt. So it was, you know, where do you go to church? It was just uh, a lot of guilt and shame. And if you didn't believe in Jesus Christ or didn't pray every day or go to church on Wednesdays, then, you know, you were sinners. You know, like to make a long story short, I got kicked out of Christian school in eighth grade for telling the principal's wife to go fuck herself over the intercom because she was also my Bible teacher. And I ask questions. I'm a very curious cat. So when I'm asking questions about the Bible, you know, in in Southern Georgia, they're like, absolutely not. You don't ask questions, right? And in this lifestyle, asking questions is celebrated. Exploring is celebrated. So it was beautifully put on where, yes, it wasn't a shaming thing at all. Like there is that weird line where, you know, we don't want it to be inappropriate or shaming in any way but it was a way for me to take my power back and make it sexy so like yeah. I've, I've gone to parties like this where I've dressed up as a nun and I'm like I feel powerful and sexy and I'm like who wants to sin with me <laughs> right exactly everybody does I mean if you're Catholic you probably been at church and looked at the nun and been like I wonder what's going on under that, that gown <laughs> And that's okay. Like, that's normal. You should wonder what's going on under the gowns, you know? Yeah. It's funny. My wife was like, of course, Layla got kicked out of Christian school. <laughs> that made, like, if I had to guess one friend of mine got kicked out of Christian school, it'd be her. But, you know, there's a lot. We obviously we grew up in different religions. My parents are still are Jehovah's Witness, and they are like big time. We actually, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I went to watch my dad give a sermon in front of 2,000 people. Oh, wow. And so it was, it was not just like, oh, you're Jehovah's Witness. It's like, you need to be a future pastor holder of this and get like I've been on stage in front of like 10,000 people as my father's son you know (gasps) like as he gives a sermon and I'm like the example child and so like Layla's mouth is wide open I've never talked about this before no you haven't and so it's part of why like my speaking my public speaking and my presence skills Mm -hmm. are what they are is what I was groomed for but definitely like 
a, a massive amount of pressure. I, I think I spent a lot of my life not even being able to select who my friends were. Mm. Like I felt like my parents chose my friends for me. And so I think when you're that like in a bubble and held back, like, like you know, if you like pull a rubber band super far, it's either going to snap or when you let it go, it's going to fly all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what I did in college. I love where I'm at now, though, because like, I think where, where we are now feels a lot more controlled. It's like intentional. And I'm not going crazy over here. I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'm not going crazy. But there's a part of me that's always like, man, will my parents find out? So Yeah, because they don't they don't know. They don't know. And however, I just talked to my little sister this week and apparently my little brother snitched on me to <gasps> her. Like it's a whole like I gotta keep them in check because now two two of my siblings know. Wait, are they practicing in the religion? One is. Yeah, oh, one is. Oh, do they think? It's, do they think you're going to hell? I have. No, I'm, well, they don't believe in hell. It is you know. Oh, but, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, educated. they think God's gonna kill me for sure. Like they. <laughs> And it came up because like one of our girlfriends was at our wedding, but we didn't tell anyone who she was. Right. And then later my brother was like, oh, yeah, you know that girl? They like, you know, and my sister's like, what? Shut Stop. up. Stop. Your brother just I went know. off. He my was he just snitched. woke up and was like, I'm ready to tell Brian's everything. But I hope we get into that today because sometimes with like religions, like, it's weird. Like with non-monogamy, it's like, keep it to yourself. Don't talk about who's at the party. Right. But with religion, a lot of times it's like, tell on them. If you don't tell on Layla, like you're going to go to hell. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But look, let's bring on some other people who have been through through similar. They're in the Discord. I haven't seen met them before, but I think you have, right? Wait, you've never met them before? I've never met them in person. I've talked to them online, but I've never seen their faces. I've oh, to see their faces for I, the first time. God, I've met up with them a bunch of times. They're super fun in lots of ways. Okay, we're going to bring on JR and Green Eyes to talk about their background and why they think there's so much overlap between, you know, former religious people in E&M. So I'm here with JR and Green Eyes, who I'm very excited to chat with. We've been in a couple discords together for a while, but I don't think other than typing to each other, we've ever chatted or, or been on a call together, huh? We haven't been to a party or anything together, have we? No, I don't think so. I think this is the first time we're uh, seeing you live moving. Yeah, it's nice. Right, right. Like we know we're all real because we've all been through the same right. verification process. <laughs> yeah, we've met yep. the same people. Yeah, but this is nice. I'm really excited for this. I was excited to have you on because one, you act, not everybody on these Discord channels contributes content. Yeah, I think a lot of people watch. You guys yeah. actually do contribute content just like we do. So it's nice to be on a call with someone else who doesn't just, you know, go jerk off in a corner to all the content <laughs> they're getting for free. Very true. Hopefully people are jerking off to our stuff. Hope, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're maybe not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a big reason I wanted to have you on is because, you know, in our chats back and forth, like we we once asked a question, we had this theory about whether a lot of people who are in the E&M or lifestyle space grew up in very strict religious households. And is there some sort of correlation between people growing up in a strict religious household and then ending up in the lifestyle space at some point later in life. And you guys volunteered that you fit that bill. So I'm not going to take your story away, but maybe we can just start off with you telling us about your upbringing. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and start. I grew up very, very religious since birth. I grew up in the Mormon church and I went to church. I was very strict. I was planning to go to a Mormon college. I lived by the book. I felt guilty when I broke rules. I repented. I prayed to God. You know, I grew up doing that. It was my lifestyle. It was what I did. It was who I was. And there wasn't a lot of room for going outside of the lines. I wasn't encouraged. Um, so, And I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't challenge anything. So I just kept going and doing my thing. And in doing so, it just kept me on what I felt was like a very straight path on that'll just 
get me everything I wanted in life. But then you get to a point where you're like, things start changing. And I know we'll talk about that later. And then you're like, well, there, what else is there? I don't know. Do you want to add anything? Green Eyes and I are both in the same uh, religion. So Mormon church, it's also referred to as like Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. I only say that because I know there's could be like a widespread of audience people trying to figure out like what's the difference between those. They're the same religion. I didn't grow up in it. So I actually was, I guess, mainstream Christian, just followed what my mom and dad believed in. I'm, I'm Hispanic, so I, I naturally started Catholic. I was born in, in the Catholic Church, got baptized, and then later my mom, you know, took us to Christian, you know, Sunday school on Sundays, and that was most of my life until I was 16 years old. Um, when I was 16, I met a friend in high school that was part of the Mormon Church, and he invited me to go. I did have a religious upbringing, but this particular religion that I think we're going to talk a lot about today, at least in our case, and maybe how it led us to you know, where we're at today in our lifestyle really wasn't how I grew up until I was like 16, 17. However, by 16 or 17, you know, I was not the kind of kid that was, you know, uh, breaking a ton of rules at that age. I wasn't having sex with a bunch of people when I was in high school. So by the time I became a soon to be adult, I decided to join this religion. And that kind of set my, you know, for like the next 10 years, that kind of set me up for like how I thought about things, right? How I made choices. And so, yeah, that's kind of like my background is I joined it as a convert. And I even did the Mormon missionary experience, which you all know what that is. You go knock doors for two years. I left for two years, didn't have a cell phone, just kind of did my thing and was a whole different person for two years, came back when I was 21. And, and then I'm sure we'll pick up that story, but that's what my upbringing was like. Quick follow-up about that. Like most people get into religions because of their parents. And it sounds like you chose that religion. You converted. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What what made you convert from Catholicism to Mormonism? And I would say like, you know, I, I was technically Catholic and then my mom decided to not be Catholic and we went to like I, I call it mainstream Christian church if you're if you're like in Southern California you probably hear some of these churches called like Calvary Chapel or like they're really popular in Orange County San Diego and they're just they're, they're the rock and roll band church right you feel good after you go get brunch after that. it's like a rock show <laughs> and Jesus yeah exactly <laughs> and and my you know my mom has always like taught me about like you know Christianity and God and Jesus and all that stuff. So I think because of that base, it was somewhat easy to understand the Mormon religion or the, like the, the doctrine. And I think there are some times where people ask like, what do they believe in? Do they like even believe in Jesus Christ? Or like, do they believe in Christianity? It's very similar. There's just a lot of things that are added to it, right? If you were to get down to the nitty gritty. But I think that story wasn't hard for me to hear. And I think what really helped me is at that time, I was the oldest of four and my younger siblings were pretty young. My parents were going through a hard time financially and there wasn't a lot of time spent with my parents. I was actually always with my friends. And in my case, I became really good friends with somebody that not only took me in as a good friend, but his family also was very involved with me took me to practices, um, invited me to weekend events, which I realized ended up being a lot of church events uh, with this particular religion. So I think for me, I felt like I was part of something that I was kind of missing at that time in my life. This is me in hindsight, by the way, going back. I think at the time I would have told you, well, I believed it was true and it was the one and only religion and it was going to save my life. But I think the reality was I felt like I was part of a tribe. Yeah. Which I also think, and I know we're going to get to this, but like I kind of think that's like a little precursor right there to your like theory about like why people maybe leave religion to go, you know, to be open or whatever it is, there, I think that word tribe is a big deal. And I think for me that I found a tribe at that time. I want to get to your theory and I'm sure Layla's going to have some questions about this too. But one follow-up I do have real fast though, because like, all right, so you mentioned, I might refer to it as LDS throughout the, the call just because it's shorter. So <laughs> Mormon, great. 
Latter-day Saints, LDS. For those who aren't familiar with it, and I personally am not super familiar with it either. I don't know if Layla is. Like, not all the belief structure of it, but just when it comes to, like, relationships and sexuality, can you give us a quick cliff notes on what the stipulations and the rules are in LDS? Yeah, so you grow up in the Mormon church, and you attend youth classes, and they teach you this a lot, that um, you will wait till marriage before you have any sexual relations. You wait until you're age 16 to even start dating, and so with that concept, when you hit 16, it's a big deal. You know, you get to start dating, um, start attending church dances. And then when you meet somebody, it's always like you, you can't have any physical intimacy. Some people break the rules, obviously, but I was very by the book. And so I tried not to. And so we were virgins when we were married. Um, and so wow. we just we just stuck to the rules. Yeah. So we, we didn't break them. And, and yeah, it was hard at times. But we didn't. So that kind of like that construct exists definitely where no sex before marriage. And then after that, um, no masturbation. That wasn't a thing that was highly discouraged. It was always like, oh, you you and your partner are together. You fulfill each other's needs. And so that was a big thing to open up to as well. Well, did you keep that promise to God too? Keep, keep that promise to God. Yeah. <laughs> You did? You didn't masturbate until you were like married? So I, I dabbled with it when I was younger. <laughs> dabbled. Dabbled. <laughs> dabbled. Dabbled. Yeah. I dabbled. And um, for a little bit and then, you know, the fear of God got in back in me and I repented. <laughs> I, I went it's, it's crazy though how much guilt you can feel. So I remember. Um, I remember asking you. Uh, we were in college, and I, I like joked, and I was like, "It's like you." I, I kind of asked the question Layla just asked right now. I was like, "You've never masturbated?" And you're like, "Well, I did, yeah, I kind of did." And then you told me about that whole story, and I, I was kind of blown away because I told you like, "Yeah, I I grew up masturbating," but yeah, you know. But there was a point in time, you know, so when I converted, I. I still did masturbate, sorry, to be more specific. <laughs> but I had mentioned that I went on a mission, and I think this goes, like you were asking a question like about the religion, how it deals with sexuality, like this one particularly. So a lot of the men, or the boys, however you want to, depending on where you're at in the stage, it's very hyper-focused on controlling your physical body, right? Especially at adolescence, teenage years. There were so many different meetings that I remember having, even just as a convert, kind of jumping in like the middle of the line here, right? Um, like one of the first conversations we had was around like controlling your urges and like there would be pamphlets that they would talk about and like these pamphlets essentially. And if somebody's uh, Mormon or Latter-day Saint, they probably know what I'm talking about. There's a particular pamphlet that they would like send out to the boys about like controlling your factory and controlling, you know, how you like have the earth <laughs> to basically you know, orgasm, masturbate, but like that it's okay to master that and to not do that because you'll be kind of rewarded for doing that. So they, you know, there was just a lot of like focus around like very early on and like, you're probably going to have these urges and we're telling you you shouldn't do them. Like, so they very much focused on that part along with the doctrine and the religion, which I do want to mention, like there's a lot of great things you learn from the religion, but I could tell very early on as a convert that like there was an obsession with the body. Mm. There was an obsession mm. with what to wear. I remember, I remember green eyes would tell me a lot about like how she felt about, uh, like we used, there was a word that we used a lot, chastity or like being, um, chased, chased, or there was another word, gosh, there's a lot of words that we use in Mormonism that kind of had to do with like this body shaming. Modest, sorry. Modest, yeah. Like I know modest is not a very like specific word, but modesty was a big one. I'm so uncomfortable, Layla. So I'm, I'm having so many flashbacks to my childhood right now of all of all <laughs> the rules and stuff. 
And I do want to know this, Jr. and Green Eyes. Like, like you, you did a mission, right, Jr.? Yeah. And the, the the mission is when you spend two years, you get assigned somewhere. I actually dated someone who was former Mormon, and she was telling me that like where you get your mission assigned to is somewhat based on your position in the church. Sometimes, like if your dad's popular, you'll get Brazil. But you know, if he's not, you get Detroit because nobody converts in Detroit anyway, right? <laughs> so that might but be like, a, would you... be a good spot to go convert people and. and yeah, okay, maybe say... Detroit's like Midtown Manhattan's not a great place to go yeah. convert people, but like, would you judge <laughs> in Green Eyes? It's mostly for you. Like, would you judge guys as suitors based on whether they did a mission or not? Oh, for Ooh. sure. Good question, by the way. For sure. <gasps> yeah, that was always a big thing that we were taught. You wanted to date and marry a return missionary who returned with honor. That was what it was called. Um, and I and Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Jared's like, like check, 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 check. <laughs> check all those boxes for me, right? But it's interesting, though, because my brother did not serve a mission, and he faced a lot of backlash because he lived in Utah, and he would date girls, and they'd be like, well, did you return from your mission? Like, was it honorable? Like, how was it? And he's like, I didn't go on a mission. And so they'd be like, okay, sorry, I can't date you. And so, like, you have all these criteria. I know it sucks. Like, oh, you you didn't do that? Like, I can't date you anymore? Like, stupid, right? But I would think going back to, I and I, I don't know, I'm, like, stuck on this right now because I think you asked a good question around sexuality and how to do with this because I, it's a big factor. Like, for me, I, I brought up that I was going on a mission and I was talking about masturbating for a second because if that was, like, a big rule, they would interview you before you go on your mission to be worthy and obviously they're not micromanaging you and checking your internet history, but they're asking you point blank, like, do you watch porn? Do you masturbate? When was the last time you did wow. it? So that guilt and that shame is, uh, I think, a big factor into like even some of the things we're still unlearning and deconstructing today as we speak. But like, I remember for me, when I go in those interviews, it became apparent that I got to stop doing this. So at, at about 18 and a half, because you usually go on your mission at 19. I know they changed it a little bit recently, but it's a pretty young age. I stopped masturbating and I stopped literally playing with myself, whatever, like didn't play with anybody, didn't kiss anybody for, what was it, like three years? Well, two years on my mission, but then when I got back from my mission, I still stayed, you know, clean, chase, whatever. The, I'm doing air quotes. I know the podcast won't catch that. <laughs> because, you know, like she said, we were virgins. We got married. And when I got back from my mission, we still we still dated for like a year and a half, which was like a long time for, wow. for Mormons who haven't had sex. Because usually when you get back, they're like, I'm ready to have sex right now and get married. You know? Right. But anyways, like that, that was like a big thing with me was like, I have to be clean because like I need to be able to show up for this person and have them marry me because that's the whole goal of being Mormon is that you go on this mission, you come back, you learn a bunch of stuff, you then become like this, per you know, again, a higher up, you were kind of referring to that, you're kind of encouraged to be that person. And the only way you can do that is if you get married. And if you're a guy, you got to get married to a girl that's in the Mormon church, that's ready to have all your babies, that's ready to be your, your, your mom, your, uh, sorry, your, your, your mommy. <laughs> uh, your no, mommy. but stay at home mom. Um, like that's like the whole thing that you're looking for. So if you can check those boxes off, get back from your mission, feel good about yourself. Like you've essentially gone 75% of the way to like the kingdom, you know? Yeah. So Brian, kind of wow. going back to what you were saying, like, what's the point? The whole point in Mormonism is about the family, right? And so you, your whole goal is to marry someone who's going to 
be a, a worthy priesthood holder, you know, and have the, the keys to get you into the kingdom of God, right? And so you want to be with this person for eternity and you want to build a family. So everything you do is like a checkbox system. Like I don't have sex so I can be worthy to go to this temple and make these covenants, these promises with God so that I can be with God forever. That's the whole goal. And so it's so family focused that it's like, oh, I have to go to the temple to get married to my partner who I want to be with forever. I don't want to mess anything up. So I want to be perfect along the way. And then when I'm married, it's just going to be us and we're gonna have kids and build the kingdom of God. That is the whole goal. And so that's, that's how we started. And we're married at age 22 because we wanted to start that whole process, like following in line. Wow. So like you guys at 22, is that when you kind of started to question, okay, is this for me? Is this for our family? When did you y'all start to question if this was right for y'all's family? And like, what, what kind of exploration did you go through until you were like, okay, this isn't for us. Let's do something different. We started having kids or we had our son at age like, 24. Yeah, we were like 24. But like the year before that, so I guess we've been married a year, year and a half. So I would, you know, we were having sex, obviously we're married now, but like I still wasn't masturbating or watching porn. Well, then there came a, I, I don't know, really remember why it started, but there was a stressful time that I feel like I went through and I just got bored and I was at home and um, I started kind of going back into like, I'm 17 again, I'm gonna go watch porn. I think I, I probably went on Pornhub or something like that and just explored because I was bored and I had so much guilt and shame. I remember, and I'll, I'll explain why this makes sense here in a second. Like I went to green eyes in the middle of the night and like confessed to her that I did that because it's, you're not supposed to do that while you're married still anyways, especially porn. That's a bad word, right? I remember then thinking like, okay, like I got to go fix myself and I'm not going to try to get into too much details, but like you essentially, this is not like the Catholic church where you have a confession time. They kind of leave it up to you and they foster an environment and these religions to essentially go and, you know, turn yourself in if you've done something right. wrong, um, which I did. And I explained my situation to the local clergy member, like the, they're called bishops. They're just, they basically oversee the community that of the church that you go to. And, you know, he was really nice about it, but his suggestion to me immediately was that I should go into a 12 step recovery program for watching porn, which I did. Yeah. yeah. And I was like 23. Yeah. It's what? very similar to like, I mean, if some of you have all been through that, which like, I know there's some people in our group that have, have but like, it's a little weird when you're talking about it with like sexuality, especially porn. Right. Cause it wasn't like, you know, I had a sexual addiction where I was like doing things under the table and I don't know, being irresponsible. Like I just quite simply was masturbating every once in a while in between us having sex. Huh? But because of that, I think it kind of set me up to later on about a year and a half later, or maybe two years later, actually, I started my career. Um, I started my career and I traveled a lot for work and I think traveling a lot for work helped me meet a lot of people outside of Utah, outside of our bubble and religion. And because of that, like I met a lot of great peers who were religious or maybe they weren't as religious as I was. They would have a drink. They would talk about sex. I had so much respect for them and I viewed them as mentors and I learned a lot from them thinking like, you're a better person than I am and I'm Mormon. I'm supposed to be the one that has all these, you know, higher standards or whatever. And I think it, that just like that alone, just getting out in the world and getting out of our bubble. And then this experience of feeling shamed kind of started making me ask like, let me go through the story again and let me make sure that I feel like this is worth it for us. And then we had a kid, which normally when you have kids as a, as a Mormon, again, that's a big checkbox. That's like the whole goal. That's why you have sex is to start that family. And you would think that having the kid actually makes you more addicted to the religion. In my case, 
it made me more protective of it of like, am I going to teach my kid everything I just went through? Huh. Wow. Okay. I have an inappropriate question. Um, do people soak? Is that a thing? <laughs> Soaking? The Provo soak? The Provo float? <laughs> no, there's a float and a soak. So yeah, to answer your question. Oh my God. Okay. Please tell us the difference between floating and soaking. So I think float and what was the other soak? Yeah. You put it in and then you don't move it back and forth. You just leave it there. So it's not technically sex? Yeah. I think it also applied to oral sex too. Too. Someone told me where it's like you can go in like the mouth, but you just kind of like leave it and don't go back and forth. Maybe that's the float, like the root beer float. Hey. <laughs> My husband, Cody, he was hooking up with a Mormon girl when he was in high school and they would only have anal because that was okay. Yeah, we missed the boat on that. I know. Like, did you guys have friends that were like, yeah, you guys just like do anal or just like soak? I think our friends admitted they just had sex. So that's why I was going to get to. It's like, I never actually met, I never oh. actually met anybody <laughs> who claimed that they're like, oh yeah, like I came up with this explanation that I'll just go anal and that's okay. Or like I soaked, so it wasn't the same. I think that it was kind of a joke and like people were just having sex. That's my theory. I'm sure there was a few right. <laughs> nut jobs that actually were like, I'm only going to do that. But I'm pretty sure most people just had sex because we had friends that admitted to us that. To soak, you have to be like somewhat devout, right? You have to be like, I'm going to kind of break the rules, but not fully break the rules. Yeah. But come on, like who can just leave it there? Right. Like who? who? People do it. Would you, wouldn't you rather do that than nothing until you're married? I mean, honestly, that's such a tease. Layla, this is like a trick I would pull in college, right? If I went to have sex, but you didn't really want to have sex, I'd be like, oh, let me just put it in. I'll just like leave it there, right? Like, we'll just, I won't move it, you know, because my girlfriend was tired. But then like, you know, it never just stays. You know? Yeah, no. Yeah. That's that's so. I mean, I just hear these. So things. it sounds like all right. You're, you're part of a bubble. Like you're basically in a religious bubble. And as long as you stay in the bubble, everything's fine. It sounds like you started like experiencing outside of the bubble. It, it's kind of funny. My religion had this thing. They call it that like bad association. And it's like the minute you start associating with people that are not in your religion, it creates. It starts creating cracks in in the bubble as it should. And so it sounds like you started having these cracks. How'd you get from that all the way to like non-monogamy though? I mean, that's like a cracks one thing, <laughs> you know, sleeping with other people is a whole nother story. <laughs> Do you, you want to take this part? Or? Um, yeah. So it was definitely a process of being comfortable with the idea of, you know, just moving outside of religion, first of all, because for me, it was like, oh, we're not going to be religious. So then what are we going to be? You know, what else is out there? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that started the conversation of what are our kinks? So that was really our first conversation. Um, and being super religious and being this goody goody that I was growing up, I never had any kinks. I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> and so like I had watched porn a little bit right. growing up and then I got super shamed for it and didn't do it ever again. And he, you know, Jay comes to me and was like, you know, what are your kinks? What do you want to explore now that we can have, we can do anything we want really. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Maybe I should learn what they are. <laughs> and, and so it was, it kind of started with, uh, you know, Jay brought up, he was watching porn and he got really shamed for it. And then that happened a couple more times in our marriage. And one time you were watching porn and you fell asleep. <laughs> and I basically walked in the room and, you know, porn was just scrolling on the phone. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> it was like on the autoplay. Oh. <laughs> on reddit and i was like okay this is never gonna go away this is always gonna be a thing so instead of fighting it why don't i just embrace it so then i was like all right so why don't we just watch it together you know you enjoy it why don't i watch it with you why don't i learn my kinks 
So I just that's so hot. I just accepted it. But I will say, and this is like the like we're like a couple. I'm not trying to like start an argument here. The real story on that is that I got asked, "Why do you keep watching this?" For the first time in my life, like so, the whole incident where I got caught or whatever. Because um, she's right, the porn watching porn thing, even after being Mormon, where we didn't have these rules, it would still kind of come up every once in a while where she'd be like, "What are you doing?" Which was totally fair. Like we didn't have a, a story or an explanation behind it. But for the first time, and this was like actually probably 2020 so i know a lot of things change during the pandemic which i think is also part of this world we can probably argue too like white people are getting in the lifestyle i had asked her like a question back when she asked me why do you watch porn i say well why do you why do you like i wonder like have you ever asked yourself why you think i watch it and that's where the kink conversation came up where i was like for me wow i'm not watching it to replace you i like i've I just legitimately have fantasies and I know we've never talked about that. What are yours? And that's where Green Eyes just explained, you know, her kinks around or her her explanation around not knowing her kinks because I had asked her for the first time, like, have you ever fantasized about anything, whether it's with another person or um, even just a situation? It didn't even have anything to do with like sleeping with other people, even just like different positions, different moves, saying things mm -hmm. like whatever. Um, and right. I told her like, right. that's what I watch. And the reason why I brought up the Reddit thing, I think is really important because this is how we kind of got into the lifestyle was I was so fascinated on Reddit. And if you've been on Reddit before, any of the listeners have been on it, you understand that it's not just like a bunch of different porn sites that you could look at on top of the million of other rabbit holes and subreddits you can go on. But I know porn's a big one on there. The one that, thing that fascinated me was that there was like real people on there, not porn stars, right. not... And I didn't even understand what OnlyFans right. was or anything like that. Like, I'm just talking about you, I, or people on our Discord just posting pictures of them having sex. 15 seconds. And I was so fascinated by that. Seeing somebody that looked like my next door neighbor, you know, and, I, and that, we started talking about that part right then and there. And then we got a hotel and we just watched porn the whole weekend. We had a, a little little sexcation. Yeah. What? We just basically yeah. boys. We just said, like, let's just watch whatever the fuck we want. And... I remember, then I said, why don't we just film ourselves doing it? And that's how that, then that kink started where we started filming ourselves and being like, hey, let's just be like these other couples. And of course we're shy. We have no idea if people like our bodies, whatever. Yeah, that was a huge mind fuck. <laughs> oh, are we going to do this? Okay, let's try it. I think I'm the, scared, but the okay. The first <laughs> video we posted yeah. got like, 3,000 like views and like a bunch of comments and we got like hundreds of DMs. But the one thing that really got me was a couple asked us to hang out. And so then oh, we wow. started discussing that scenario. Well, one, like whatever that liberation weekend is, I'm calling it liberation Ooh, weekend cute. for you where you Love got it. the hotel. Is it marked on your calendar? Do you like celebrate it? We should. Wait, that's cute. I actually think we can backtrack the date. You asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday and it was COVID and I was like, let's just go get a hotel. Yeah. So yeah, we got to remember that date. I just want to give you some credit, Green Eyes, because I know in some religions, when you find out your partner's doing something wrong, like a lot of people snitch on their partners. They go tell them because like, oh, God will punish you then if you try to cover up JR sin, for example. And so I just want to give you some credit in that like you found him doing something and your response was like, let's have a conversation with it, not let's go to the church mm -hmm. and figure this out again. Would yeah. you consider yourself out at that time too when you did that? Yeah, so we left the church and then had that conversation. So I did feel far more open and willing to have the conversation at that time. When I was back in the church, it was a lot harder because I did feel like I had to follow certain rules. So like Jay said, we, we did go to that recovery class together. Like I went to the women's part, he went to the <laughs> men's part, and we all sat there and talked about 
how our husbands are hopefully going to be okay someday. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Are you serious? I swear to God. I know. So wait, he he broke a rule and you had to. I think it was encouraged, but you felt support because there were other wives that are like probably crying being like my husband. Oh yeah. All the wives sat there and we were all talking about like our husbands may be in this degenerate. Yeah. You're disgusting. It's okay because God will take care of them and you take care of yourself you know all this stuff and I just remember sitting there and being like what like this isn't okay <laughs> like this is this is not healthy you know I wonder how many of them are ENM today that's ah, a good question right? a very good question aren't there a lot of ex-Mormons in the lifestyle that you have found I don't know if I want to say common but like I think it definitely happens it's becoming more yeah. common because a lot of people are realizing that their youth was taken away from them their exploration years right. have been robbed that's how we felt too. So that was a big reason wow. why we wanted to explore. Yeah, say more about that. Like, let, let's hop into that because I am curious, like, why you think they are hop. That's a good point, right? Exploration years was going. What else do you think is happening such that we get all these religious revolts in the EM space? I'm glad that we told the story we did the way we did because we also got married at 22. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this, but I'm pretty sure, you know, our brains don't fully develop till they're 25. And so when you ask me, like, when did I start having thoughts like away from the religion and even just being a different person, it was around 26, 27 years old. And at that point, I got a little bit more confident in myself on who I was and and even just accepting other views. And so I think a lot of people get into the lifestyle coming from a religion like Mormonism, and I realize there's others, um, which has been fascinating, by the way. We've met a lot of people from other religions, and we thought it was just a Mormon thing for a while. It's not. You know, you're on here too, Brian. You understand that from your perspective. But I was going to say, I think being young and getting married, there's a couple of things that I think happen. One, you have couples who unfortunately realize, like, this isn't my person that I really want to be with. I've realized now that I've taken the religion away, and I've taken this bubble away and I'm now on like basically on a free plane like I may be into other people or I may not even want to be married at all I think in our case we did love each other enough that we didn't want to break that apart and get divorced or whatever and so for us being ENM was a little bit more on the exploratory side than it was trying to patch something which I think all of us can agree with on the call here or even all the listeners there's a lot of people in lifestyle unfortunately that probably use it to patch different parts of their relationship that may not be ready to take this and then it falls apart so I think Mormonism, that's what happens. You kind of have those two paths. You have the people who are wanting to stay with each other just the way they were in Mormonism, but now expand into this new world. And then you have others who are quite honestly realizing like, I want other people or I want other things. And then they realize they actually just want totally different things. So it's kind of like a make or break thing for them. That's my opinion, but I don't know what you think about that. If you look at it like your friends that you have, I have a lot of friends now who are very comfortable. Like, you know, between 30s and 40s, they're like, oh, I I explored in my 20s. It was fun. I got drunk, you know, maybe went lesbian, maybe went by (laughs) and went back. I like that. You know, they they explored and they got to see and then now they're very comfortable and they're settling into their lives and now they're having their kids and now they're being an adult. And I felt like I was an adult when I was 22. And so, Mm. you know, Jay and I had this discussion where like, we are kind of going backwards in a way, but we already have the life that we have, right? We're happy together. We're happy. We have our kids. We have, you know, all these responsibilities and it's really hard to break that right now. We're happy with it, but we also feel like we missed a part of that. Like, and so we're going back and we're Redating. We're married, but we're dating, you know? Ooh. And so it's it's exciting and it's also very scary at the same point because it 
you remember dating and the feelings that you felt. It's kind of scary. And then you put that into a marriage and you're watching your partner date somebody and they're going through all these feelings. And now you're working with them through those feelings for somebody else. And so it brings on a whole different level of like, what is life? What is love? And it really makes you think, but it has definitely grown our relationship in that way. And we're able to, to look and say, yeah, we can live life with our roles kind of Mm. do you guys ever deal with any guilt like does guilt or shame ever creep in from the ways you previously thought like are you ever doing something and it's like it creeps in you're like oh shit get out of here yeah i'd say so yeah how often Uh, well uh i I mean i don't know that i feel it as much like today but definitely when we started even i think even just the idea of talking to another person maybe to make it more relatable to even some of the people who listen from our group that we're familiar with like when you do dm right DM on Discord, DM on field, DM on text or whatever. Like even just that alone was like a hurdle to overcome. Like, is it okay that I'm messaging another girl? And we're not just talking about sex, but even just about feelings, right? Like I think having to overcome that kind of shame is definitely something that I think has triggered up. And so I I don't think it's as bad anymore because of the conversations we've had that like we've identified that. Like I know Green Eyes has mentioned to me like how she feels about that and then vice versa, how I feel about that. I'm just using that one example. It can be a bunch of them, but it's things like that, the little things like that that I think creep up because we're realizing like, oh, we spent most of our lives not only getting married young, but also realizing like it's just me and you and that's how it's going to be to then just completely taking a 180 I don't know, 180, maybe like a different, like a 90 degree. Because <laughs> I, I wouldn't say 180, like we're completely leaving each other or anything like that, but we definitely made a big shift on how our relationship was because not only were we really monogamous, but I think we explained like, this religion that we came from was an all or nothing type of mentality on like, this is my person that I'm going to take to heaven. And like, she's essentially my key, vice versa. And to now all of a sudden, and we even just had this conversation today, be like, insert a new person in there with new feelings. How do you feel good about that? Is that okay? And it's like trying to get away from what, like 10, 13 years of, you know, that mentality. Yeah. In a religion, you are trained to be codependent on each other and so breaking those codependencies and being like and finding your own individuality that's been that's been huge for us it's been a hard process but it's also like well we we deserve to have our own individual wants and and desires and and now letting each other find those giving each other the freedom to do it giving our own selves the freedom to do it I mean, even being a mom, that was really hard for me to be like, my kids depend on me. And what if my kids found out I was doing this? Like, is that like something I need to be guilty about? And for a while, it was a hurdle that didn't let me explore. Because I was like, no, no, I have a role. I have a responsibility. And then when it's like, oh, but you also have the responsibility to be happy for yourself and you know, you want to be the best you can be for your kids. So now I get to explore and and be happy and Jay gets to be happy and we get to be happy together, bring our happiness together to parent our kids in the best way. And it also gives them the best advantage because they get to see our example. You're like an ad right now. Like all of that, just like advertising. I'm so obsessed with you guys. I know. I was like watching it. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh my God. This life is so cool, but it's so hard. You know, it's a give and take because sometimes it really means you have to communicate really well. And so you have to look at your relationship and can you communicate through the hard stuff, through the pain? And But there's also a lot of goodness. 
comes out of it. I got to say this, like you're solid. Like you both are very solid people. And I think it's something that Layla and I have in common is like, we really like fucking with solid couples. Like we don't like anyone who brings like drama or like instability. Like you said, JR, like people are trying to figure it out. Just hearing you guys talk makes me want to hang out with you guys more. <laughs> yes. Aren't they the best? Yeah. They came over with their kids and hung out with my kids. And it was just like such a wholesome, wonderful time. Oh, wow. They're, they're good people. I have a, a Halloween party to invite you both to, but more on that off the yes. call. What? I want to go. You're going to go, Layla. We're all going. Okay, cool. Layla, I'm not going to leave you off of a party. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Layla is the party. Oh. Yeah. But let I do want to talk like, all right, your kids might find out one day. Does your family know? Are you worried about them finding out about this? Like, I, I do want to talk about that. My family does not know. Our kids do not know currently. And Jay's family, some of them just found out. And so it's been a, a process of how to explain that. I don't know. I feel like you should be talking. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, good. I mean, I, but I think it's important to know, like, you know, in Green Eye's case, her family doesn't know at all. Um, we also used to live near her family, but we weren't practicing, you know, we weren't open at that time. And we moved to Southern California in 2020, which is kind of unusual. I feel like people were leaving SoCal and leaving other places, but we did the opposite. We were tired of not being here moved here. We ended up living five, 10 minutes away from my family. And I'm very open with them in terms of like, for example, I would tell them like, we have these friends all over SoCal, which was, I think, really interesting to them because they knew that I was always extrovert. I was social, even when I was still Mormon. But I think they started catching on like, how do you have friends in San Diego or Orange County? And, then <laughs> and they're all hot <laughs> and they're all very attractive. Right? <laughs> That's right. They're like, these are your friends. My mom, you know, had spent time hanging out, quote unquote, partying in LA. And I think she kind of caught on like, like you're hanging out with people where and you're going to like a party just like a, just to hang out on Saturday night in Hollywood. Like she was like, this, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I won't go into the long story on how they found out, but my, my mom confronted me about it um, actually two months ago and just asked me straight up. Uh, I think she suspected that I was having an affair with green eyes or uh, towards green eyes or not with green eyes, on but me. on you. Yeah, whatever. Fair on me. Yeah. Or, and then vice versa, because there was times where green eyes would go out and have either a single date or she would go out and go hang out with people without me, um, which I know a lot of us in the group, especially that are married and have kids. Layla, I think you understand mm -hmm. this. Like we embrace that a lot more this year. We're like, I may not be able to be at everything and that's okay. We feel comfortable. We're happy for each other doing it that way. But my, my mom or my parents were very confused by that. Like, why is Green Eyes not here? And you're here with your kids. Mm -hmm. Like what's going on and vice versa? Where's Jay at? Why are you not here? My mom is a lot better about it now. I'm able to even talk about my friends, not necessarily the details of the dynamics of those relationships, right? But just saying I have these friends and these are people we talk with and I leave it at that. But my dad or I have a stepdad, they don't really talk to me about it. We're kind of quiet about it. My siblings are okay with it, but... Yeah, it's, it's a new adjustment. Yeah, and it's a process too to figure out how we want to incorporate it as parents. And so that's mm -hmm. definitely something, Layla, we look to you and Cody as kind of examples in that. Oh, we have no fucking <laughs> idea what we're doing. So get ready to not know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> like pick, pick people's brains that have attempted it or whatever. But yeah, yeah, but we see what you do and we're like, that's really beautiful. And, and you know, we talk about it a lot. Like, what does that process look like? And it's a lot of comfortability. And I think just taking the steps one step at a time and not just mm -hmm. rushing into it. And so I think for the future, I all I know is that I want my kids to understand that like mom and dad have a lot of friends and we want to have a community, you know, and we don't want to just put them into the society that we grew up in. And I know that we talk about that a lot. I also 
am realizing that like our kids are going to grow up a lot differently than we did. And so I do think this conversation at some point will be interesting to have with them. But I also think that they're a lot more ready for these kind of conversations than we were. But like our monogamous parents never sat us down and was like, you guys, I am white, straight, and monogamous. And <laughs> we're like, did. what? Yeah. You know, like I, I, a lot of it, like you said, just one day at a time. And it's like, I just want my kids to be good fucking people. I'm going to be honest with them. I'm just going to live my life casually and, you know, keep them safe. And just like you said, mommy and daddy have a lot of friends. Yeah. That's kind of the plan I'm going for. Yeah. I also get what JR is saying. It's like things are shifting in general, like they there and like gay marriage and gay dating is all on TV now. It's like the kids are going to be more equipped and more accustomed to different mm -hmm. relationship types than we ever were, for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Like, we might have it at the easiest of all parents in history to tell our kids. I feel like we have a blank check on how to explain it exactly. Like, I don't think it also means that we have to go into every single detail. What I don't want to do as parents is, like, hide things from our kids. Right. Because truly, I think a lot of, and, and I think we all feel this way too, like, these people we're talking about aren't just objects. Like, these are real relationships. These are real feelings. And right. that also includes, like, hey, I want you to know my life and some, and my life is my kids and I've told that to some partners that I've had like I have these kids and I don't want you to not know who they are I don't want to hide my whole life from you so right it's an interesting next step for us <laughs> all right we have this new part of our show that we are just testing out and it's where we let the audience members ask random questions to us that they want Layla and I to answer or they want a certain guest to answer Annie has these questions in her bank and I have no idea what question's coming, and you don't either. So we're all in this boat together. So Annie's about to ask a question that uh, from the list that they, she thinks is fitting for this call. So let, let's hear it. What is it, Annie? It is. What are your favorite vanilla things to do to get to know a new E&M friend? Like not necessarily a romantic Oof. interest, but, you know, new girlfriends, new boyfriends, you know, that doesn't have to involve alcohol or drugs. It's mm. a great question. Okay. <laughs> well, you just limited it quite a bit, Annie. No. I love to get to know E&M friends doing something active. And so I like to go for hikes. I like to go to the beach. Restaurants are always fun. Um, ask a lot of questions. Just do something active that kind of get, you know, the blood pumping, the endorphins going. And I feel like I get to really know people like that and see them in a fun environment um, to where I can actually see if we could be friends in a normal environment. Hmm. Man, that's a good question. I'm not sure how I'd answer that. That's a that's a hard one for me to answer. I'm like learning how to do that still. Because a lot without of, without yeah, all the stuff you just mentioned, just a so lot you know. of the times you just do a dating. You know, like let's meet for a date and see how it goes. And so like that's step one. But it's also like we want friends in this life. That's kind of like super important. So can we be friends? And so we start with a date and then like go from there. I guess. Am I allowed to answer this too, Annie? Is that the point of this? Yes. The whole point is that everybody answers. Oh, okay. You know what my partner and I recently figured out was we felt like we were going out of our way for dates and stuff like that and always felt like this addition to what we were doing. And what we decided to do recently was like in just inviting people to stuff we're already going to do. So if we're already going to go on this hike, if you want to come on this hike with us, then great. Because if you say no, I'm still going to go. I'm going to have fun regardless. Mm. If I'm going rock climbing, do you want to go? If I'm going to this EDM concert, do you want to go to this show? Because I'm already going with a couple friends. And then it kind of relieves the pressure because I'm going to have fun no matter what. So that's something that we found that that has worked. 
and and it removes some pressure because like you know it in the the more public the event the less likely you are to get stuck with someone kind of awkward yeah true that's that's a good point in our case too i hear what you're saying brian like sometimes we feel like we go out of our way because of where we live and i know a lot of the community not just in our discord but just in general i don't think it has anything to do with our discord i just think in bigger cities, like there's just more ENM people there. And if you're, and I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners that live in like LA, for example, a lot of the LA folks don't want to get out of that area and come down and see you. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. So we tend to go up and do things. The reason why I'm saying that is because we do have a tendency when we go up somewhere to not have an expectation to get out of the vanilla stuff, but you know, you're making this big hike to go up and do that. And you're hoping if it goes well, those things will happen. But the reality is like, we really care about the connection part. And so we have gone out of our way to even just do a vanilla date. But I, I think that's a great idea just to like, yeah, hey, like- we're gonna already do this. We're gonna go to the beach, come join us. Yeah, and if I it works out, then we'll do other stuff whenever. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a couple down there not too far from you guys that goes to Black's Beach all the time, which is for mm-hmm. the listeners who don't know this, it's the nude beach in Southern California. <laughs> I know we just upped their attendance the next two weeks by like 50% by giving them a shout out. It's a great place. But they always we post and play tonight. They're like, hey, it's not saying come to our house. Like, hey, we're trying to hook up. It's like, we're going to Black's Beach Day. Anybody want to come through? And I would take them up on that. That's like a semi-vanilla, but yeah, you're Semi-vanilla, right. yeah. <laughs> With the intention of not having the expectations behind it, which I think is kind of the point is like, how do you foster an environment where it's not just like, hey, let's go hang out for a drink and then we're immediately back in the bedroom. It's like, hey, like, let's go out, be active do things we like and then and it's okay if it doesn't end up with anything because you realize like you made a connection with friends so yeah i even think like sometimes i don't even want to just go to a play party i'd rather just be friends with people and like maybe progress to the play party you know there's so many different ways to do it not just one way to do it all you're both so awesome thanks for being on today i kind of want to have a uh we're going from talking about vanilla events so play parties but like there's a part of me that wants to have like a religion play party like for (laughs) you to come you have to have been mormon or jehovah's witness or catholic or something bring your religion yeah Yeah. (laughs) bring your religion bring your ex-religion and we're gonna let it all go if that happens i'll be sure to invite you guys you'll be the first on the list i gotta find my old uniforms and stuff yeah (laughs) exactly exactly yeah the the mormon the missionary badge i hey i know that this may not be part of the podcast and it gets cut out but i actually think what's interesting too that we found that's fascinating and we've known some people that are in this situation that are still currently religious and being in and i think that would be another interesting uh, like subset to this conversation because I do want to be mindful that just because we're ENM doesn't necessarily mean people leave religion and I found that fascinating we've had conversations with some people we know mm-hmm. that we've played with or we haven't played with that are like yeah I actually still have this belief but I'm doing this and so I'm very fascinated as a future listener of the other podcast to like get to one of those I don't know if we have any of those in our group we do where they're like yo man I was going to do this play party this day but I forgot it was a Jewish holiday so I'm kind of short by three hours because <laughs> I got to do both so like it is in the group and i think that's an important narrative like you said you don't have to give up your beliefs to, to tack this on you know it doesn't right. have to be in conflict anyway again hey thank you for both for for hopping on and yeah we'd love to have you back like in the future we might do another episode like a panel of people like this and but appreciate you being so open and honest with us today of course thank you for having us it's been a real pleasure yeah i was really looking forward to this and I, i'm sure we can talk about this talk for hours yes All right. That's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. We have some fun announcements coming up in future episodes. They may or may not involve a like 200 person rooftop party in Los Angeles. So just be on the lookout for that. Until then, in the meantime, try something or someone new. Aww.